0: Good morning, my friends. I am Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to Morning Glory, our midweek Bible study. And I'm so glad that you are here today. Why don't you grab your Bibles and join me in the book of Ezra. And today we're going to talk about meeting God at the river Ahava. Mm -mm. Praise God. Let's begin in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we jump into your word, we ask that your Holy Spirit would bring illumination understanding to the eyes of our heart so that we can take your word by faith and apply it to our lives today. In Jesus name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Woo. We always want to take God's word and meditate on it and bring it into our hearts. But my friends, we want to act on it as well. And so of course, we'll be seeing demonstrations of that in the life of Ezra, who was a man of faith, And action. Let's begin in verse 7. Chapter 12, we actually see the official decree that King Artaxerxes gave to the people of Israel, and these would be the ones that we would know as the captivity. Remember, the reason they're in Babylon was because they were taken there as prisoners of war. And there would be groups that would eventually go back. We we saw that Zerubbabel, he's already made a trip to Jerusalem. And now we have Ezra, he's about to make the trip to Jerusalem. And then you have Nehemiah, he's going to make the trip also. But predominantly, most of the Jews and those from not only, you know, the southern uh, part of uh, of the kingdom, but the, the northern ten tribes, Most of those that went into captivity, they did not return. So the ones that are going back, like here we see Ezra, those were the ones that would be considered of the remnant or the small and faithful few. And so it's a time of revival to a certain degree for them. Verse 12, Artaxerxes, king of kings, to Ezra the priest, a scribe of the law of God of heaven. So we know that Ezra was a priest And that also he's a scribe, so he is one that writes and records the Word of God because back then you didn't have printers and copiers and scanners and things like that, so it all had to be wrote out. And he's also a tremendous teacher of God's Word. Verse 13, I issue a decree that all those of the people of Israel and the priests and Levites in my realm who volunteer to go up to Jerusalem may go with you. And that's something in the, in the kingdom of God. It, it's very important that th- things are done on a volunteer basis where it's not coerced or it's not forced because if you, do, if you do it, then there's no faith involved. And you want to have it done in a heart of love because faith works or operates by the mechanism of the love of God. So it's volunteer verse 14. And whereas you are being sent by the King and his seven counselors. So the King is sending Ezra out. This is something that he has decided along with his seven counselors. So you do see prophetic symbolism, even within the King's court, because there is one Holy spirit, but he has seven divine attributes, which are called the seven spirits of the Lord. So I believe it's good to have those in your own life. Maybe you don't have the exact number of seven, but you want to have those that can give you biblical counsel, not worldly advice, because that can lead you in, into trouble for sure, but biblical counsel so that you can discern the will of God and make good decisions going forward. Now, verse 25, and you, Ezra, according to your God-given wisdom, set magistrates And judges, who may judge all the people who are in the region beyond the river. That would be the big boundary line of the the river Euphrates. And judges, who may judge all the people who are in the region beyond the river, all such as know the laws of your God and teach those who do not know them. That's one of the big thrusts of my ministry. And we also see it in the Lord's ministry. When, we, when he had his ministry on the earth, it was primarily teaching, preaching, and healing. Yes, there were deliverances. There were uh, many facets of the Lord's ministry, but it was primarily centered around teaching, which is explaining the kingdom of God, and preaching, which is proclaiming the ways of God. And then, of course, you would have healing, healing, And deliverance and things along that line. It's all good. But here, Ezra, he is a tremendous teacher, and so that is part of his assignment to teach those who don't know what? Who don't know God's law, or as we would say, the Word of God. Because God and His Word are one. So if you learn His Word, you learn about His character, His nature, who He is. And by the way, His Word is good. When God gives His Word, it's bulletproof. It's for sure. And we have to receive it by faith. And he watches over his word to perform it in our lives. And he performs it when we believe it and act upon it. Now, verse 26, whoever will not observe the law of your God and the law of the King, let judgment be executed speedily on him whether it be death or banishment or confiscation of goods or imprisonment. So Artaxerxes is convinced and knows that there is only one true living God, and he wants the blessing of Jehovah God upon his life, upon his kingdom, so that things go well. Praise the Lord. And so he's wanting to make sure that Ezra does everything that he is supposed to do. Now, verse 15 of chapter 8. Now I gathered them by the river that flows to Ahava, and we camped there three days. Now this is Ezra talking. They're camping out three days by the river Ahava. Ahava is a Hebrew word. Now this river was in the area of Babylon. It would probably have been outside of the city, maybe a few miles outside of the city, so it's not like this is a Hebrew river, but it does have a Hebrew uh, name for it. And Ahava in Hebrew means true love. It means true love. And it also carries the meaning of not receiving love, but primarily giving love. And it's a very beautiful word in even today's modern Hebrew language. Matter of fact, there's a very well-known cosmetic company in Israel that's called Ahava. Most of their products, if not all of them, are sourced from the minerals there at the Dead Sea. Okay. So that's where their meeting spot is at. We camped there three days. And I looked among the people and the priest and found none of the sons of Levi there. Well, that's okay. Uh, He's he's able to pull together a group that is more complete as they kind of camp there and sort everything out. And eventually you do have the priest and you do have the Levites. Who were the Levites? They were the workers there at the temple and they were the ones that would Uh, split the wood, chop the wood, uh, carry the water, and do a lot of the manual or physical type labor. But then there was another group that also would help the Levites. In verse 20, these uh, are mentioned as the Nethanim, and uh, they were very helpful as well. Now, let's go down to verse 21. Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava, at the river of true love, that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek from him the right way for us and our little ones and all our possessions. Well, you want safety, you want protection. Now, verse 22, for I was ashamed to request of the king an escort of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy on the road, because we had spoken to the king saying, the hand of our God is upon all those for good who seek him, but his power and his wrath are against all those who forsake him. So we fasted and entreated our God for this. And he answered our prayer who praise the Lord. Now let's dig a little deeper into this situation of the fast That they did before they began the journey. First of all, the journey that they're about to take is a long walk. It's about 700 miles. That would be like me uh, starting to walk today all the way, you know, up to New York city. Wow. That would be a long ways to walk, but back then that's how they did it. So they're leaving Babylon and they're going to walk all the way to Jerusalem, And this took them somewhere between three and a half months to make this journey uh, up to possibly about four months. Now, when you take your time and you read all of the men that were involved in this return, they're coming back to the land that belongs to them and they're being sent. We see that there are about 1500 men, but this does not include the women and children. So if we take the 1,500 men, and we suppose that most of them were married and had two children, you realize that this is a group, an entourage of about 6,000 people, but they don't have an escort, and there's a lot of danger along the way because you go through places where there's no law. There, it's In other words, there's bandits, there's robbers, And there's no policeman, there's no sheriff or anything like that. You're completely on your own. So for that sake alone, you would really want to have protection. But when you read the context of the story more fully, you also realize the tremendous wealth that they are transporting, that the king has given to them, to Ezra under his oversight, to take back to Jerusalem and it's a lot of silver and gold involved, and it's going to be used for the rebuilding of the wall around Jerusalem, uh, for the construction uh, of the facilities there at the temple, and everything that's needed to get worship reinstituted back in Jerusalem. Well, how much gold and silver were they transporting? Well, according to the Nelson Study Bible, and also many modern day archaeologists and people who've looked at this, they are carrying with them 50,000 pounds of silver. Now, silver, you need a lot more silver to uh, compile together than what you do gold. You can get a lot of gold in a much smaller condensed package, so to speak, but silver gets heavy really quick, but they're carrying with them 50,000 pounds of silver And in today's money, right now with silver being about $24 an ounce, they're carrying about $20 million in silver. And they don't have, you know, like an entourage of the king's cavalry to go along with them. So it's 6,000 men, women, and children. I'm sure the men had, you know, swords and spears and things like that. But uh, this is, this is uh, pretty risky to be carrying that type of wealth with them. And also, you want to protect your wife, your children, and so forth. Now, also, we do know that they had at least, uh, at, at the low level, scholars say that they're carrying at least 6,000 pounds of gold. Not 6,000 ounces, 6,000 pounds. Most um, measurements, really, when you study the numbers, uh, actually say it's probably closer to seven and a half thousand pounds of gold. Either way, you're looking at somewhere north of $180 million worth of gold, probably over $200 million worth of gold in today's equivalent of the U.S. dollar. So uh, this is a big a uh, transaction that's taking place of moving all of this wealth from Babylon all the way to Jerusalem, and they want to get it there safely so that it can be applied to the intended purpose. Well, first of all, this shows you the tremendous character and integrity that Ezra would have to have to be involved in something like this so that the king is trusting him. But most importantly, that the Lord is entrusting him because some people, if they had access to wealth like that, they would just load up as much as they could into a wagon and just disappear. (laughs) And you know, they're gone (laughs) and they're thinking, I'm going to live out the rest of my life, you know, and just, uh, you know, going wild and eating and drinking and whatever the case might be. But no, he's very well grounded. He's not covetous. He's not trying to get his hand into the king's treasury, into the Lord's money, and it's all accounted for. Praise God. So this is the way that things have to be in order for there to be righteous wealth transfer. You know, um, I had a real close uh, spiritual mentor years back. He's in heaven now, but the Lord gave him, gave his ministry, not him personally, but gave to his ministry. A property uh, right on the beach on the Atlantic Ocean that was valued at five million dollars. and it was worth every penny of it. And it was going to be used for purposes of the ministry, you, you know, uh, an extension of another Bible college and things like that. So he had all these plans for it. and but the son of the minister, he had his own plans and his own plans were all out of his fleshly nature, all out, all out of his carnal mind. And he said, Dad, we need to sell that property, and we, you know, we can take the money, and we can use it for other types of things. And the minister said, No, son, we can't touch that. He said, That property was given to us by God, and even if we ever did sell it, all of that money belongs to the Lord, and we have to keep it in the ministry and use it for ministry purposes. And so you know, the minister tried to explain that to his son, who was in his early 50s, Uh, but the son went behind his father's back and sold the property. And, uh, you know, so this guy is all excited because he thinks he sold this. And now he's, he's going to be able to get his hands on millions of dollars of cash. And he, two weeks later, he was walking down the street and dropped dead from a brain aneurysm that just exploded in his head. And he just dropped dead and died. And he's gone just like that. So Ezra knew that this, this wealth is holy. It has a divine purpose. And so we're going to use it, all of it, for that purpose. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So it's time for them to make the long journey. And you know what? I believe that this is going to be a really big financial year for you. And they're now surrounded by all of this money and they're taking it back to Jerusalem for the rebuilding of the temple. But my friends, I believe that. You can stabilize yourself so that you stay free from covetousness. You can stabilize yourself so that you stay free from the potential spirit of fear that would try to get on you with all of the possibilities for things to go wrong by standing in faith and adding some fasting to that. Yes, we're going to be people that trust God and take him at his word. And yes, we're going to pray, but I believe it's good to do what Uh, good old Ezra did many years back, about 2,000, probably 600 years ago, where he said, before we start this, because there are so many things that could go wrong, particularly in the area where we're very vulnerable in this area of not being able to defend ourselves properly, we could easily be overwhelmed. So let's fast and pray. So he called for a fast. Then I proclaimed the fast there at the river of true love the river of Ahava. My friends, I believe this year is destined to be a tremendous year for you. And I believe that you're transporting gold on the inside of you. The vision that God has given you, the dream, the plan, the clarity of knowing uh, what he wants you to do. And you're walking in faith and you're going to execute these things that God has called you to do with precision and with accuracy. And by going to work on them, but I do believe also that the enemy, would sure he would surely love to try to disrupt your, your joyful trip, okay? So I would encourage you at this time, as we're still early in the year, to do some fasting and set apart maybe a few days, whatever the Holy Spirit would lead you to do, so that you can arrive at your destination safely, praise God, and that you can get done all that God wants you to accomplish this year. And I believe it's really, really big. I do believe that this is going to be a big money year for you. And I do believe that you are transporting gold on the inside, the callings, and the fulfilling of those callings, the fulfilling of destiny and purpose this year. So let's humble ourselves. And that's what fasting does. It humbles you so that you can Put your trust in the Lord. Fasting is a action of faith that we take to enlist the help of the Holy Spirit in solving the problems that we're up against. Let me say that again. Fasting is a action. It's an action of faith that we take to enlist the help of the Holy Spirit in solving the various problems that we encounter. And I, I understand the humility aspect of fasting because when you fast, uh, it's not like it's a joyful time. And even if you're drinking juice, which I would encourage you to do, whether it's juice or you know, tea or things along that line, you know, that's a vast difference from a cheeseburger or a T-bone steak or, you know, a nice piece of chicken or fish or whatever it might be. So it, it's very tough on your soul. It, there's a humbling in it. And also your body uh, is not going to have that normal level of energy and strength. And so sometimes you can feel uh, that low energy, but that's okay. That's all part of it because you are leaning on the Lord in your weakness. Praise the Lord. You're leaning on the Lord. Now, some Christians, they think that the only type of fasting is the type of fasting where you do it personally, and you don't tell anybody, and you go through a fast, and you do it as unto the Lord, and there's a place for that, of course, uh, Matthew chapter 6, but there's also the place where there are times where fasting is public, and that is the example that we see here. Notice that he said, I proclaimed a fast, and so this is something that Ezra is not trying to carry completely on his own back. He's like, hey, I need all of you to join in with me on this because we're all taking this trip together. This is not a solo trip. (laughs) So because of that, let's do a collective fast, or we could call it a corporate fast, where we all come together with the same unity, the same vision that we're going to make it there safely. And they did. And so you also see not only the integrity of Ezra, but also the leadership ability to pull about 6,000 people together. I don't know if the little kids were fasting, probably not, but all of the adults, all of those who had responsibility, yes, they're all fasting so that they can have that unity of heart and really beseech the Lord. Lord, come help us because we certainly need your help on this one. And you know what? He did. Praise God. You know, there was a church in Texas in the Dallas area. This was back in the, I believe it was the late 80s, And the whole church did a 40-day fast. I'm talking about the adults. And uh, I think actually maybe the greater miracle was that a pastor could pull all of his church members together (laughs) collectively to do this. (laughs) I know how hard that is to uh, lead a corporate fast and say, let's seek the Lord together and you'll have... Uh, you'll have those that just uh, are not really into that. And uh, you know, you know, Pastor Stephen, that's going to interrupt my schedule of watching football or things like that, or whatever it might be. That's fine. So again, it has to be uh, on a volunteer basis, but on something like this, yeah, you want to pull the people together. So this one pastor was able to pull his whole church together and they all launched off on a 40 day fast, no food, no food, and they actually completed it. Wow, that's pretty amazing. <laughs> so uh, it was fascinating because it was the Sunday after they had completed the 40-day fast where they were all uh, you know together for a Sunday church service, and they had just started to re-eat. And uh, so the Sunday morning service was taking place and what happened is that somebody left the side door open so you had you had the church assembly that would sit in the sanctuary and there was a side door by the front that the pastor or the worship team would come through and there was another side door on the other side of the front and uh, that led off to like a green room or somewhere like that well somebody had left that door open so when the whole church was together in worship uh, on that room on the side on the right the lord jesus walked out of that room, through that door, and appeared before the whole church. Now, not in in person physically, because this was not the second coming, okay? That will be later, right? When he comes down on the Mount of Olives, right? So this was not the Lord's second coming, but he did come in a vision, and the whole church together collectively had a corporate vision, and they all saw Jesus walk into the sanctuary, and the whole church fell out under the glory, under the power of God, (laughs) (laughs) surprise surprise amen so you never know what the lord is going to do to reward or to honor you know whether it's an individual private fast or something that is collective okay but the main thing is that you're after the the answer of that primary thing that you're beseeching him for in this case lord help us and all of our little children and all of this wealth help us to get it all to jerusalem And the Lord did it for him. Amen. He's going to do it for you too. Verse 23, so we fasted and entreated our God. So the entreating is the area of prayer. So you want to have prayer mixed in with your fasting. And it says, and he answered our prayer. Yes, and God's going to answer your prayer also. So I would encourage you to mix some fasting in at this time into your life, because this is a very pivotal year where great things are going to take place. Now, verse 31, then we departed from the river of Ahava, the river of true love on the 12th day of the first month to go to Jerusalem. And the hand of our God was upon us and he delivered us from the hand of the enemy and from ambush along the road. And it doesn't tell, uh, all of the details, if there were potential attacks that maybe happened or were diverted or things along that line, but that that was something that without God's protection, uh, there probably would have been some uh, trouble for sure. But they made it safely. So we came to Jerusalem and stayed there three days. And they get there and then, then they begin to implement uh, the people into their designated roles and they begin to implement the, the, the uh, fresh flow of finances. Into the kingdom order. Praise God, and things really begin to move forward. Praise the Lord. Matter of fact, look at chapter 9, verse 8, because I believe that as you fast, this is going to touch your spirit. This is going to touch your heart. And now for a little while, grace has been shown from the Lord, our God, to leave us a remnant to escape and to give us a peg in his holy place, that our God may enlighten our eyes and give us a measure of revival. A measure of revival in our bondage. In other words, there's still elements of bondage because they're coming out of so many things. And even those from the remnant that had made it, they still have all kinds of things, whether it's idolatry or covetousness or heathenistic practices that have integrated into their life because they've been living in Babylon. So, These are things that God is still working on, but they were having a measure of revival. And that measure of revival does what? It enlightens your eyes. You begin to wake up spiritually. And verse 9, he talks again about the Lord's ability to revive them. So God is actually uh, moving in the spirit of revival right here. And I believe that as you pray and as you seek the Lord, that yes, this is going to be a really good year, but you actually can, you connect with what I would call the spirit of revival, and you begin to get real close to the Lord. And that's something that is integral about fasting, because when you fast, you fall out of love with the world, and you just lose interest in things that we probably never really should have had much of an interest in, in the first place, whether it's who won this event or which team won that, or whatever the case might be, all of these things that would compete for your attention, these voices of the world, they just begin to fall away and they don't mean anything to you anymore. And so what happens is you start to get into a fast, your spirit starts to get light illumination into the things of God. And you really begin to turn back fully with all of your heart to serving him and drawing near to him. You know, I was talking to an apostle friend of mine some years back and he uh, told me about a, a whole church that he knew where the whole church went on a 40-day fast. Again, I think the greatest miracle is the, uh, the grace just for that many people to come together in unity and do something like that. And I was able to lead uh, our church years back on a 21-day fast, and it was uh, the collective miracles that came out of that were, were uh, multifaceted. It was amazing what God did. But my friend, uh, he was telling me that uh, this one church, when they went on a 40-day fast, when they came off the fast uh, everything was like illuminated, uh, even like, a like a blade of grass. Uh, the people's hearts were so tender that you, you didn't want to hurt anything that if you saw like a grasshopper that had gotten in your house, you didn't stomp him or, you know, grab him and, uh, you know, throw him down the toilet. You, you would take him outside and put him on a bush. And, uh, so he could live or everything was like sensitized to love and to sweetness and to slowing down. And that's what happens when you fast. You, you, it's like you suddenly hear people talking for who they really are, and you're, you're not just busy trying to get something done, but you can hear what they're saying. You can hear their happiness, or you can hear their sorrow in their voice, in their heart, and you just slow down and begin to love God, and you begin to love people, and everything starts to get put right in your life. And even like Ezra, and the uh, the Jews here, even if you're surrounded by hundreds of millions of dollars of precious metals, <laughs> you're like, well, uh, uh, it's just metal. You know, we're going to go to heaven one day, and we'll be we'll be walking on stuff like this, and it'll be everywhere. So you know, everything begins to get balanced in your life in the proper way from the perspective of eternity. Praise the Lord. Now, let's jump over just for a moment to the Gospel of Matthew. Many of you. Who have followed my teachings over the years? You're very familiar with the teachings of the Lord. I've taught on this before, but let's just touch it. It's good because I know there's also many new listeners as well. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Glory. Matthew chapter six. Jesus said, "Take heed that you do not do your your charitable deeds or your giving, the giving of offerings, before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven." So again you want to balance everything in context. Here, Jesus is talking about personal private giving. You don't want to give uh, for people to see you giving and say, oh, he's a real giver. And then that's the only reward you get or the credit you give is that somebody complimented you, but God's not going to honor the seed that you sowed because you had a wrong motivation. So this is private giving, but there's other times in scripture where there's public giving, such as the time that God told Moses, hey, um, you're out of Egypt now, and now that you're out here in the wilderness, I want you to build a tabernacle or this tent-type structure for me. And God told Moses, speak to the people and tell them to give an offering of gold, silver, or brass also precious stones, and then various types of garments and curtains and all of these amazing things that were going to start to come in in the offering. But there were designated levels of giving, and that was a corporate offering. So in times like that, it's not like you can hide your gift because you're all giving, you're all bringing it. And, uh, you know, you just have to balance it by the Holy Spirit. Verse 2, therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound the trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Now, let's continue on in verse 5, and when you pray. So we have seen Jesus thus far talking about the proper way to give personal offerings to you wanted to do it in a very God-honoring way, as much as possible, between you and the Lord only, unless it's something where there is a uh, an offering that God wants everybody to be involved in, and then we can all encourage each other. Maybe we can even have a goal of what we want to accomplish, and then everybody can pitch in on that. And so, you know, that's going to be uh, something that's uh, people are going to know, and that's okay. There's a place for that that can inspire and encourage others. Praise the Lord. But here, Jesus now mentions pray uh, or, or prayer. Can you can you imagine, though, a Christian who is actually saved, loves God, they're on their way to heaven, but they don't give. You were thinking, now that's a very strange Christian uh, to, to be in the church, to love Jesus, but they don't give. They don't don't they don't tithe. They don't give a, an offering or anything like that. They, but they're on the way to heaven. They're saved by grace through faith, but they don't give. You would think, well, that person is very undeveloped spiritually. And that would be an accurate assessment that if you are a Christian and you're not a giver, there's an there's a, there's a attribute of God that you don't know about because even Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. So there's going to be some things about God that you wouldn't know because that's not something that you're practicing. Now, the same with prayer. And when you pray, not if you pray, not if you give, but when you give and when you pray, and when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward, but you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly praise the Lord. So that's the normal method of operating in your own personal private life. But there's other times when in scripture you see uh corporate prayer gatherings, so a whole lot of them in the book of Acts, they all prayed together and they all prayed out loud all at the same time. <laughs> so uh, you know, you have to go with the holy holy spirit flow, but don't try to uh put everything in one box where everything has got to be all private. There are times for public, uh, public giving public prayer. And then there's, you know, different guidelines for that. But the thing again is that Jesus is emphasizing is that believers pray. Can you imagine meeting a Christian, maybe who's been saved for 10 or 20 years and, uh, they have no interest in prayer. Matter of fact, they never pray. (laughs) <laughs> you would think, wow, that person probably doesn't know the Lord very well. They may be saved, but they probably don't know the Lord very well. Well, that would be an accurate assessment because how could you know the Lord if you don't talk to him, if you don't converse with him? Mm-mm. So it's not it's not if you pray, but when you pray. Well, let's get to the third part of this. There's three parts. There is the giving there is the praying. But now we have uh, coming up, we have here in verse 17. Actually, let's go to verse 16. You have the third dimension of spiritual disciplines. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, and this is in the context of doing it privately as an individual, but you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in a secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Now, let's think about this. It would be very strange to meet a Christian who never gave anything never gave a dollar into the offering it would be a very strange for a christian to have no prayer life ever but it would be really weird also for a christian to never practice the spiritual discipline of fasting wow isn't that amazing so i think what we have done in the western church in the american church is that we we give and we understand the value of prayer but something about fasting uh, predominantly in the Western church has been completely lost. Now, I know there are some who teach it and do a really good job, whether it's Pastor Jensen Franklin or others that have more, I would call a mandate to teach on that. And so that has brought exposure to many in the body of Christ, but still the the number of those who actually do it is very, very small um, because it's something that challenges the flesh. It's something that is very, very humbling in the sense that you, you you're not going to have that, uh, that pep and that, uh, you know, that energy that you would normally have, but what it does uh, as far as bringing you into a deeper dimension of your walk with God, it's irreplaceable. It's irreplaceable. So it's something that you want to merge into your life. And sometimes, It's private, but sometimes such as if others are involved and maybe you're like with Ezra and you're about to make your trip, it's now a public fast and we're all involved together. Praise the Lord. So right now I'm fasting because it's good for me to share that because sometimes people think, Pastor Stephen, are you a little low energy uh, today or on the program? You seem seem a little low energy. Uh, Yes, I I might appear like that sometimes because when you don't eat... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but you can get, get hit with that. Praise the Lord. And other people have asked me, um, Pastor Stephen, are you are you fasting? You look a little thin. Have you been losing weight? Is everything okay? Yeah, everything's totally fine. But yes, you lose weight when you fast. Praise the Lord. So I share that just simply sometimes to disarm all the questions I get <laughs> through e- through emails. Mm-mm. Praise the Lord. But outside of that, I don't talk about it. I just uh, keep plugging away and, and uh, you know, keep uh, praying and seeking the Lord. But, you know, if you're on a fast, you need to tell your spouse. And if you're around others, maybe if the uh, uh, meals are being planned and things like that, you have to tell them. And so I tell my wife, you know, that way... Uh, We uh, structure, uh, you know, meals, uh, particularly with the family members and stuff like that, where we probably pretty much just try to skip most of that during seasons of fasting. But you just want to go with the flow of the Holy Spirit, but you want to bring it into your life. And so I want to encourage you because I believe that this is a golden year for you. I believe that just as Ezra was heading to Jerusalem, and of course, that's very, very exciting. You know, you've got the whole year, right? So just take a few days and fast. And it doesn't mean you can't fast again later. You would probably want to do that because, you know, you don't just go to the gym once and say, well, I worked out and therefore I don't need to go back for the next four months. So you want to let fasting be something that is part of your spiritual discipline. Just like you don't give once and say, well, I gave, I obeyed the Lord. I did what Matthew chapter six says. I don't need to do it anymore. No, you give because that is... The lifestyle of the Christian experience. And you don't just say, well, I prayed once it's done. No prayer is a lifestyle, but also so is fasting. Mm -mm. And I believe as you do, as Isaiah chapter 58 describes, you're going to have a lot of light or understanding break forth so that you are able to make really good decisions. And so that you stay on track And you do only what God wants you to do. You'll find that in life that many opportunities present themselves to you. But just because they're opportunities, just because they are open doors, doesn't mean that God wants you to go through it. It could be a trap. It absolutely could be a trap of the enemy, something meant to get you all tangled up and uh, off of the focus that God has for you. Mm -mm. And that's really one of the main reasons people don't succeed is because of broken focus, okay? So you're going to reach Jerusalem. You're going to get done everything God has called you to do. But I would say, why don't you stop for a few days at the River Ahava, the River of True Love, the River of Giving, and why don't you do some fasting? Praise God. I'm not saying you have to do a 40-day fast because uh, that grace, the grace of God has to be there to do that. And uh, that's just something that's between you and the Holy Spirit. If if the grace is there, you could do it. If it's not, it'd be total agony. (laughs) I've done a lot of fasting by God's grace. And when I say that, I'm not just trying to use that as a religious expression. I've been able to do it by grace alone. And there is a grace that comes, and it doesn't mean that I'm not hungry. It doesn't mean that I'm just enjoying drinking water and apple juice is so wonderful. No, no, it just means that It would be nice to eat, but I'm doing okay, and I'm just going to keep going on. So as long as that grace is there, uh, I can do it. And as long as it's there for you, you'll find that you can do it as well. Is there humility, humbling? Is there uh, discomfort involved? Uh, Yeah, but it's uh, it's not that you can't keep going. I'm sure the walk to Jerusalem, wow, walking for three and a half months, I'm sure that wasn't like a, a lot of joy you know I mean after maybe when you first start it for the first week but after a while you're like whoo okay but you know what fasting is so interesting when you start uh, and the day goes by so slow you think wow it's going to take forever maybe it, let's say you're doing a three-day fast oh am I ever going to get there but you know on day three when you actually finally get to day three you think oh this is no big deal I could do this I could do this every day of the week But when you're halfway through, you're like, oh, this feels like this is going to take forever. So whether it's three days or 10 days or 30 days or whatever you have in your heart to do that the Holy Spirit would be uh, talking to you about, just go ahead and make that commitment. Meet the Lord at the river Ahava and uh, go ahead and just knock that out. Okay. Whether it's three days or five days, or whatever it is, even if it's longer before you know it, you'll be on that last day and then you'll have it wrapped up, okay? And then you can move uh, into the year with your faith real, real strong because fasting, it just, something about fasting and prayer causes the word of God to come alive. I mean, you're talking about spirit of revival and the word just having the bite and the, the uh, strength and the veracity. Yeah, I mean, it's it's incredible. So it does really give you a tremendous faith boost. So I want to encourage you to have some prayer time about what the Lord would have you do, and just meet the Lord at the River Ahava, and say, Lord, I'm going to give you three days. I'm going to spend some time with you in uh, prayer and fasting. Now, many of you, of course, you're working full time, uh, just like I am, busy all day long. So for me, I can't really do water. I can do water, but if I do water, I, I can hardly get up off the couch, okay? So if I if I drink water only, I know right where the level of how far my body can go on water. But I also know that if I drink water, I hardly have any energy. Now, some people, they're totally different. They can, they can drink water, and they're like the Energizer bunny, running around, doing all kinds of stuff, fasting and drinking water. And honestly, I marvel at that because my, my body can't function like that. So for me, I drink juice and just get apple juice. Yeah, it gets boring. It gets real boring after a few days, but it works for me. And in the morning, I get coffee. Sometimes even at night, I'll drink a coffee because drinking something hot is that little bit of reprieve for your soul. It makes your soul happy. But I would suggest find what works for you. And if you have, you know, medical conditions, check with your doctor. Uh, I had a, a pastor friend who one time, he did a... He did a fast. I think it was like a 10 day water fast and halfway through it, he collapsed and fell out. He, he he fainted. He passed out when he passed out. He fell forward as he was falling forward. He's already unconscious, but as he's falling forward, his mouth and his front teeth struck the granite countertop there in his kitchen. And he hit his teeth and knocked his teeth loose (laughs) on the way to the floor. Well, He woke up in the emergency room and found out that they had resuscitated him. He died three times there in the emergency room, but they brought him back, you know, about the, you know, giving him that jolt or however they do that. They brought him back and got him back. uh, And the doctor later, after he kind of, you know, recuperated a little bit, his doctor reprimanded him because he was on some type of uh, drugs that he was taking uh, and those drugs had a horrible effect when he went on a water fast and it made his body go haywire. So if you are on, you know, like medicine, certain types of medicine, or you've got a certain medical condition, you want to check with your doctor to make sure that what you're doing is okay. By the way, that pastor friend of mine, uh, he got out of the hospital, went back to the church, and went back to preaching. And while he was preaching, this was just a few days after all of this happened, while he was preaching and and giving his sermon, his teeth that had gotten knocked loose fell out. <laughs> he put them in a napkin and them, later uh, had them like surgically like reimplanted or something like that. So he still got his teeth today, but he learned a very valuable lesson. But for most people, you know, if you're normal... And you know you're healthy and stuff like that. Uh, fasting is very, very good for you. Um, little side note: while I use juice for fasting, the times I have done water fasting, wow, it's it's amazing what it does for your body. As far as um, uh, it, it it's like a healing mechanism that God has designed, and uh, water is incredible, as far as you'll get flushed faster. Matter of fact, you can get your body completely flushed within 10 days if you do water. If you do juice, they say it takes about 30 days to flush out every single toxin from your body. But you know what? Many of you, like, like myself, you're working and you're very, very busy, so you probably can't do water. So you need something that gives you energy. So uh, I have found that the main reason that people come off their fast is because they got so low energy that they're thinking, I've got to work and I can't, uh, so they start eating, okay? What you have to do is you have to drink a lot of juice, drink a lot of liquid, and I'll probably go through, you know, I'm talking maybe easily, 50 ounces, easily 50 ounces of juice a day, okay? So just go out and get something good. Don't get something with high fructose corn syrup in it. Oh, that's awful. Get stuff that's pure and clean, and that's good for your body, and also stuff that's thin. You don't want to be drinking juice with all this fiber in it. <laughs> First of all, your stomach is never going to relax because all of that fiber is almost like food. So you want you want juice that's real, real thin. Praise God. But find what works for you. I have minister friends. They drink different things. Different For me, it's apple juice. For others, um, uh, it's all kinds of different things. But whatever works for you. And just plug into it and get ready for the greatest year of your life. I believe, are you ready for this? I believe that before you get to the halfway point in this year, you're already going to have accomplished everything that you have in your heart to do. That's a pretty wild statement, isn't it? I believe before you get to the halfway point of this year, you're going to be so far ahead concerning the things that you wanted to do that it's probably all going to be done. Most of it if not all of it is going to be done by the time you hit the conclusion of 6 months. Now mark that and watch that. I believe you're going to be surprised. So start your year at the river of ahava and just uh just launch into it the right way. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray for those that are watching right now. I know for some uh this is uh, familiar territory. And so they're, they're ready to go. And they're already right now, as I'm talking, father, they're mapping it out and planning it out what they're going to do. And they're excited and they'll do it. But I know for others, father, that would be watching that, uh, there's an element where it's scary for them and they don't even know if they can do it. There are some that they're not even sure if they could fast for one day, but father, I thank you that they are going to experience your grace And that as they make a commitment, whether it's one day or perhaps three days, they're going to find your grace, and they're going to find that your grace is more than enough, and that you're going to honor that time of prayer and fasting. And they'll see that that is something that greatly contributed to the overall success that they're going to have this year. So, Father, we just thank you that everybody right now that's committing to do some fasting, I thank you, Father God, that they're going to do it by faith. And they're going to do it voluntarily with a heart of love for you there at the river of love. And it's going to be a very, very powerful experience. Now, Father, we thank you. I release that grace upon your people right now. Receive in Jesus' name the grace to fast, the grace to fast. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. Glory and let me just uh, also say that, my friends, even when there's grace, again, remember, even when there's grace, it's not like this is a picnic. This is fasting. <laughs> when you're not eating cherry pie and uh, strawberry cake and cheeseburgers, uh, yeah, they're, so uh, juice is never going to substitute for solid food, okay? It's it's fasting. So while there's grace, yes, there is the discomfort of maybe having Coldness, maybe having uh, times when you don't get that sleep because you, maybe your body is still a little bit edgy, or things like that. But you'll you'll if you stay with it, you'll hit it after a few days where you get. Uh, to the peaceful part of it. And then everything until you finish, however long you want that to be, uh, whether it's like five days or, or 10 or whatever it might be. uh, If you get past the first few days, then you hit the peaceful waters. And then all you have to do is sustain it because it's just very redundant, just the same thing day after day. And as long as you have the reserves, and I'm sure that most of us do, I'm talking about fat reserves. It's no problem. It's no problem. That's why we all have fat. We you all need it. You can't can't stay ripped all the time. It's a myth to, to look at bodybuilders or look at movie actors with their shirts off and think they look like that all the time. They don't. Even uh, years back, Sylvester Stallone said when he made all those action movies, he finally learned that the scenes where he had his shirt off and you know you could see all of his abs and stuff like that, and he's all ripped and defined. He, he learned, shoot those scenes up front. Why? Because you can't sustain that. You can only hold that for a few days. Why? You're starving that. Outside of that, <laughs> you, you have to have fat because that's your normal way of operating. Praise God. And some of us have a little bit extra. That's okay. Praise the Lord. Amen. All right. Enjoy your time. A fasting there at the river of true love. It's going to be a very good experience for you. A very good time of drawing near to the Lord. Now, if you're watching me today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, everything must be done in him. Um, you don't want to do fasting without your life surrendered to the Lord because you could You could have another spirit uh, tried to come in because fasting does make things more, uh, you could pick up the spirit realm more easily. And the last thing you want to do is have more trouble than what you would previously have. So you need to, first of all, get your life right with God before embarking on any type of fast or spiritual journey. Okay? So make that commitment right now. I want to lead you in prayer. If you are a former christian and you backslid and you went off and you got all messed up in sin but you're like oh what a what a mess and you're ready to come back well the lord's got open arms and he's ready to receive you back so i want you to pray also with those who are making a first time commitment to come to christ all right pray this prayer now say jesus i repent of my sins and i surrender my life to you fully jesus Save me right now. Wash me with your blood and write my name in your book of life. I fully commit my life to you. Thank you, Jesus. Come now and step into my life and lead me and guide me from this day forward. In your name I pray. Amen. Woo! And amen. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory. Those of you just coming to the Lord. Go ahead and jump on the happy ship, amen, with us. Do a little fasting, praise God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. By the way, if you need to get water baptized, and you will, if you're a new Christian, email me, or and uh, I'll, uh, I'll help you out with that in some way, even if you live uh, on the other side of the planet, because we have many friends around the world, and uh, you need to get water baptized, praise God. We just had some water baptisms here. I think maybe we picked one of the coldest days of the year to do it. Wow, was the water cold, but it was a lot of fun. Let me pop a picture right now up on the um, on the screen. Amen. Maybe I can even plug in that little video. Let me do that. That was so much fun. Check this out. I'll be right back. Woo! Glory! Amen. So those who belong to Jesus. You'd not only, of course, you you make your commitment to the Lord, but after your commitment to the Lord, you need to be baptized in water. Amen. Praise God. Email me if you have questions about that at contact at stephenbrooks.org, contact at stephenbrooks.org. Praise the Lord. Now, let's take Holy Communion today. Praise the Lord. My friends, we want to obey the scriptures. When the Bible says, give, we want to give. When the Bible says that we are people that are supposed to pray, we want to do that. When Jesus says, when you fast, not if you ever do, but when you fast, we want to be people that fast. Praise the Lord. It's not about legalism or you have to do this or have to do that. We we just want to obey the commandments because that's where the blessing is. And we're also instructed in the word of God to take communion. So let's do that right now. Grab some grape juice and some bread little cracker a little wafer unleavened bread preferably but grab what you have and let's pray father we bless the juice and the bread and we set it apart as holy and we thank you that this is now the body and the blood of Jesus and so father as we receive the Lord's flesh we thank you for victory and strength and we thank you for grace and to meet you at the river of true love. And we're going to have a wonderful time of fasting and drawing near to you. And we thank you for safety and protection. We thank you for provision greater than we've ever had before. And we thank you for your glory and the spirit of revival. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive the Lord's body. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you that this is a year of F-U-N, faith, understanding, and numbers. We thank you that you're working with the numbers. You're making the numbers right. We thank you that as we receive the blood of Jesus, that just as you're able to bring us out of sin debt, you're able to bring us out of financial debt. And I thank you that you're working in the lives of your people, Father, right now to get the numbers right, get them out of the red into the black. And they're back in black. I speak that over your life right now. You'll never know the red again. You'll never know lack or a insufficiency again. You're going to be free from that. You are free from that. So, Father, we just stand on your word. We thank you that you are expediting miracles in our lives, and we celebrate and thank you for the blood of Jesus. We receive it now and his victory in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's drink together. Everything that Jesus purchased for us at Calvary belongs to us. Everything that he purchased uh, for us belongs to us, and we have to take it by faith. And we're taking it right now, and we are moving ahead. Praise the Lord. So have a wonderful week, and I will see you at the River Ahava. And also, as these teachings are a blessing to you, and you would like to support this ministry, Let me put up on the screen right now ways that you can give. Uh, There's text to give. You can give online or you can mail an offering in if you would like. That information is on the screen. Thank you for watching. Thank you for supporting us. And I'll see you back real soon. God bless you. Bye-bye.